This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. It's Natterdays. They're going to run and get that boot. The Arkansas Razorbacks have completed the dream season. A baseball team that's on the way back, a college world series title. Stadium. I almost got fired because I went Willie the boss after I had a little too much sauce. This is the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. I'm excited for the game, but nervous for the whole event, I guess, so to speak. Well, I would say that right now I'm confident. I'm more confident. Yeah. And I think the reason is, is because not only is the game one making me more confident, because you have Isaiah Campbell on the mound. And we know how great he's been, especially yep. in the postseason play. We know that he has only lost one game as a starter this year. He's an elite player. And I think just right now, because I have so much confidence in them winning game one, because he's on the mound, that I'm confident. Now, when Arkansas, and if Arkansas, assuming they do, beat Florida State going into game two, that's when I think I'll have the flip. That's when it'll go from, okay, game one, great, but game two... We're going to see who actually ends up being the starting pitcher there because I don't think well, I don't even think Dave Van Horn knows. He may just try to, or maybe he does know. I, I don't know. I don't. I just know he hasn't mentioned it on who's going to be starting game two. But no matter who it is, there's going to be that level of concern like, ooh, geez. And if they ended up playing Texas Tech, uh, which is the favorite between them and uh, Michigan, then it'll be, oh, okay, because Texas Tech's a really good team. So that's, I think, when the nervousness will pop in for me. But right now, I'm confident, and if Arkansas was able to get through that game against Texas Tech, say, for instance, say if they won game one and game two, then my confidence goes through the roof because I'm like, all right, it's almost like you got over the hump. You got over the the difficult part in that game, too. So it may just be a range of emotions, a roller coaster of emotions for me the entire time that Arkansas is in the College World Series. And we'll get a chance to talk about it Monday, and you're going to be in Omaha. We'll, we'll know by then. I mean, Dave is... I, I think going to – I don't know if he'll – he probably won't tell you now that I think because there's a day in between. Um, so I don't know if he'll say anything after Saturday night's game. Yeah, we're going to go with Wicklander or, or we're going with Nolan or something off the board like Scroggins. You know, we, we haven't really discussed those possibilities. I really think it'll be Wicklander or Nolan. Um, I don't know if he'll tell you Saturday night after the game, win or lose, uh, because you have the Sunday off or – you know, I wonder if we'll be able to discuss it officially on Monday and know what's going to happen. Uh, be interesting to see how that plays out and how he handles it because you do have the day in between games like you don't normally get uh, in regional or super regional play. Let me ask you something since we're on the topic. If you're Dave Van Horn, which we know you're not, Tommy, but if you were Dave Van Horn and Isaiah Campbell gets game one victory against Florida State, mm-hmm. who right now would you feel best or at least the more confident in starting in game two? I was just thinking about that. I think I would, and listen, can you really call, find much difference between the way Wicklander and Nolan started in the Super Regional? They were pretty much the same, right? Pretty much, yeah. I would lean towards Wicklander just because while he had nothing to do with the win, Arkin, the whole setup there ended up in victory. <laughs> so, I mean, I don't know that that's a great way to go about unwinding that, but it, in that game... Uh, with the way you followed it up, you ended up winning the game. Now, Wicklander had nothing to do with it. But I, I do think that's the way I would go. Just uh, and That's probably not great reasoning. I don't know how you separate those two. Um, so I, I think I would I would go that direction. Now, the, one of the considerations is going to be righty versus lefty. Now, that's probably more of the baseball way to look at it. 
Do I want to throw a right-handed pitcher or a left-handed pitcher, depending on who you're playing? Mm-hmm. So I think ultimately that's how you make the call. Do I want a righty and, and Nolan or a lefty and Wicklander? Yeah. Well, do you? it makes me wonder, too, if Arkansas and Dave Van Horn, is he's going to change who pitches depending on if Arkansas wins or loses? I, like yeah. against with Isaiah Campbell, if he ends up losing the game against Florida State, when you're facing elimination, does the complete pitching idea or pitching strategy that Van Horn had, does that change? Does it change on who you're going to dictate and who comes into that game? I don't know. If you can feel pretty confident that that you can get Scroggins and Costi Shock to do the same thing again, it gives you a lot more comfort, I would guess, in making the decision either way you go. So I, I yeah, which is a great point because I feel like in game two, no matter who ends up being the starting pitcher, if it's Nolan or if it's uh, Wicklander, I, I'm bringing in Scroggins in relief next, right? Based on the performance he gave in the Super Regional. Yeah. I mean, he's got to be the guy, right? Yeah, I think if you don't, I mean, not that Dave's going to get greatly questioned on any of his decisions because right. he is he is Dave Van, Van Horn. Horn. Um, but, yeah, I mean, why would you not go with that based on what you've seen? I think baseball is more of a you go with a hot hand kind of sport. So yeah. the other question, okay, we 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 know about Scroggins, uh, we know about Costi Shock because we we just saw it. Kevin Copps is another guy that I think, uh, and I heard Phil talking about this with Ty the other day. He's a guy you're going to have to get something out of while you're in Omaha. So, and he's been inconsistent, but you need, but he does have the the stuff to be good. Um, you know, he's a guy that you hope you can have some confidence in putting him in. And a non-elimination situation might be the place you'd feel a lot more confident throwing him out there and say, all right, let's see how these first few batters go and then, you know, having another arm ready. So Cops is another name that will enter the equation most likely. So as a relief re- relief guy. Question is, if you got in a situation you needed a fourth starter, now what, you know? <laughs> uh I just don't have an roll the dice, just see who it ends up. I don't know. You know. If weather forced that or just, you know. Now, obviously the key and, and the reason why you have the advantage, you win game one, you win against uh, either Michigan uh, or Texas Tech in game two on Monday night, then you're off till Friday. Yeah. A lot of rest. Well, I mean, then, I don't know, you know, then, I mean, the possibility of starting Campbell again would be real. But then you got to think, well, if we win that game, then you're off till you don't you don't have him for game one of a championship mm-hmm. round. So I mean it, it's it's a it's a big puzzle you get you have to put together. But other than Mike Martin, who's making his seventeenth trip to the College World Series, you got Dave making his eighth. So you know, pretty confident he knows how to put the puzzle together. Yeah, I feel like he's probably already got it in his mind, and he's already working out scenario. All right, if this happens, I'm doing this. If this happens, I'm doing that. I'm sure he has it all laid out that we just don't know about it, and we're just going to have to wait and see how he handles it. But, I mean, there's there's no question about it that if they get Game 1 victory, game, would you agree, Tommy, that Game 2 is going to be the most pivotal game, obviously, besides you know winning the whole championship in a Game 2 or Game 3 scenario in the finals? But this Game 2, or the second game Arkansas will be playing in the College World Series, is going to be pivotal because you're either, one, going to be facing elimination if they lose, or two, that's going to dictate exactly what whether it's Wicklander or Noland, kind of where their confidence level is at because I have no doubt that Arkansas will get runs. It's just a matter of who's going to how you're going to start those games because you cannot, cannot start those games the way you did against Ole Miss in Game 2, giving up a bunch of hits, walking a bunch of batters, like that – that team, whatever, if even it's Michigan or Texas Tech, doesn't matter. That team's going to kill you for that. So 
Game two to me is the one. It's like you got to watch, and that's going to be whether or not Arkansas is for real or if they're going to be making a quick uh, trip home. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, and if you lose game two, it it is not the it doesn't seal your fate. Now right. it, it begins to, but I believe Oregon State lost their game two and then fought their way back last year to get to the championship round. So um, it it can be done, and I believe was done last year by by the Beavers. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's not impossible. I would say. Yeah, but. they lost their first game. Which was weird because Phil lost, lost their first game. So it wasn't their second game. They so they were fighting elimination from the get go. Yeah. Because so. yeah. so, I asked Phil, I was like, "Can Arkansas win this whole thing if they lose with Isaiah Campbell on the mound Saturday night?" He goes, "Well, Oregon State did it last year." Yeah. So, yeah. Well, that's that's all the info I needed to know. Yeah. yeah. yeah it's, it's not. It's obviously not favorable. You know? No. <laughs> it's not. It's no. not the design track. Yeah. It's kind so, of. And, and mainly it's because you need the the rest for your pitchers. Yeah. So. I mean, and if you really think about it, Oregon State <laughs> won it all last year where their ace pitcher lost both of his games that he played in. He lost his first game against Washington and also that, lost his first game against Arkansas in the College World Series. The odds of that being repeated back-to-back years by any team uh, or a different team going that same track are pretty minimal. I mean, you, 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 know, <laughs> you win by, by having your ace pitcher pitch well. Yeah. You know? Well, you're saying, they're telling me there's a chance, Tom. Yeah, I'm just telling, telling you it doesn't, it, doesn't, it doesn't take you to zero. So. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. Arkansas is going to have opportunities, but boy, oh boy, would it be nice just to get the go 2-0 to start over on, sat- on Saturday and on Monday. If you do that, confidence is really going to start building. It's already there now, but it's really going to get elevated to think Arkansas can truly do this and get back to the College World Series Finals. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays. A light lager brewed with a phenomenal strawberry lemonade flavor that's perfect for bringing the fun to every occasion. The new Natural Light Natterdays. Touchdown, So we've been talking about, obviously, Arkansas baseball and how confident or nervous you are heading into the College World Series. I put the poll question out on social media. hit that line AR. I'll be interested to see how everybody feels about it. Tommy, I think you said in the beginning, you were were you more confident or more nervous, or was it just a half-and-half half thing? I'm, I, I kinda, I'm excited about the start of it. Um, I, I'm not really nervous about this first game, and I think it's because Isaiah Campbell's pitching. Um, I, I'm excited about the College World Series starting. Uh, I'm not nervous yet. I, I think I'll get nervous when the stakes, and the stakes are high now. Don't get me wrong, but you know you're not facing elimination in this first game. So I don't. Know, I'm I'm just excited about tomorrow night, six o'clock. You know, being in front of the TV. It's, it's, I just can't wait. Yeah. You know? And what's what's kind of the scary part about it? Not to put this uh, thought in anyone's mind, but if Arkansas say lost game one to Florida State, though. I don't know how confident my, I don't know where my confidence level would be to come back from that. I know that we threw out Oregon State had done it last year and all that, but, yeah, but what are the odds of some team doing it twice? Yes. I'm nervous about the idea. I guess my uneasy feelings are about how far this team can go. I mean, last year's team felt like is a little more equipped from a pitching standpoint, but I I don't know. I'm just a little nervous. Do you have enough? Do you have enough starting pitching? And I'm probably basing that way too much on what we saw in the Super Regional, which wasn't exactly the norm. I, but I think we get caught up in the last thing we saw. Yep. And I'm, you know, I think that's what. So you got to calm down and look at the fact that, well, how did you win the West without good starting pitching all year long? Oh, yeah, it's been pretty good all year long in games two and three. So Arkansas won 20 SEC games, and we got to go back and remember what we saw this last weekend wasn't exactly the norm from Wicklander and Connor Nolan. 
Yeah, no doubt about it. Are you more? That, that, you don't win twenty games by accident in this league. That's that's right. If you're more confident, you're more nervous about the College World Series. Let us know eight seven seven three seven seven six nine six three. Let's go to the phone lines. Danny is in Russellville. What's going on, Danny? Good morning, guys. Uh, as far as the Hogs, it looks to me like clearly Arkansas and Vanderbilt are the two best teams in this College World Series. Yes, and it appears they're on a collision course, uh, but. I feel, you know, Florida State grinds out at bats, but you're going to have to throw strikes against them, and that's good that we got Campbell because he throws a lot of strikes. So I, I feel pretty good about that one. The NBA Finals and the NHL, the St. Louis Blues, Toronto Raptors, they both won those championships winning three games on the road. How odd is that? Don't see that very often. No. I mean... Good point. Usually, if you lose a game at home, you're in big, big trouble. Uh, I I just think it's odd. They both won three games on the road to win their championships. Who would thought Golden State would give up three losses at home? Uh, I didn't see that coming, but that changes their whole team, losing two players for probably they're probably done for next year, too, it looks like, right? I don't know if they'll be done for next year, but it, I, I would be shocked if either of them started game one of the season next year. Well, Kevin, those are really, you know, pretty serious injuries. Uh, uh, before, before I get off here, public service announcement. Okay. Uh, the uh, great city of Fort Smith is going to have a concert October 1st with the world's best acapella group, Home Free. It's going to be in Fort Smith. And uh, you guys, you guys are having a great concert. Come to your city, and I just wanted to get that out. Check there. it out, huh? All are right, you going to come up thanks, from Russellville? Thanks, thanks for you coming call, from guys. Russellville to see it. Uh, well, I've seen them three times. I saw them in Conway, and I saw. Wait them a minute! In, you're uh, telling us how great it is, and you got an hour and a half drive, and you're not going to come up here? I might do it, Tommy. All I might right. do it. <laughs> I've seen them three times, but they're they're well, a really good concert. And uh, listen, I've seen James Taylor about twelve times. You know. Oh well, if you like James Taylor, you'd probably like Home Free. Yeah. It's probably your kind of music, Tommy. So. <laughs> I can't wait to see. I've seen, I saw Zach Brown earlier this summer. I can't wait to go back and see them again. That was a great show. Probably a little oh. different than what you're talking about here, though. Well, uh, Home Free is not what you think it is. If you listen to them, you can't even tell it's a cappella because they have bass, they have percussion, and all of it done with human voice. It's uh, pretty amazing. But anyway, guys, you have a good day, and thanks for taking my call. Yeah, appreciate it as always, Danny. Human voice as opposed to uh, <laughs> non-human computer voice. voice. Yeah, robot yeah, voices. Non-human voice. Something, robot voices. Something like that. All right, I'll check. I didn't know it was coming to uh, to to the to the River Valley, but we'll check that out. So, are you going to check it out? I uh, probably not. I don't know. I don't even know when it is. So, never heard of them. But I, I hey, I like this that acapella stuff done right. It's pretty good. He's, yeah. Danny's right about that. So, I'll I'll how about this? I'll YouTube it first and let you know. There you so. go. That's the smart thing to do. Hey, is your uh, home in Arkansas and at least 10 years old, and are you an OG&E customer? If you can say yes to those questions, they have a free weatherization program designed specifically for you to increase your comfort and lower your bills. Now, train crew is going to come out to an energy audit at no cost to you, and if your home qualifies, their crew is going to install measures that could uh, could really help you out, like more attic insulation, 
LED light bulbs, weather stripping, advanced power strips, smoke alarms, carbon monoxide detectors, and a whole lot more. There's a limited number of homes that they can do on this program, and it's absolutely free. 800-272-9741. That's 1-800-272-9741 for the free home weatherization improvement program from OG&E. Tommy, I was hoping that we would get this phone call this morning. I, I, you, know, I don't, you know who it is already before you even look at the monitor. You know who it is. So let's go back to the phone lines and welcome in Eddie in Clarksville. Good morning, Eddie. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning to the whole nation. As the last couple of weeks, as I said the other day, listen to this. In exactly a little over 24 hours or so, as they say, the countdown is on. And to the to this baseball club team, you prepared yourself all season for this moment. The biggest stage in college baseball. Gentlemen, this is your moment. You just come out of a heavyweight bout with more than a worthy opponent to set you up for the heavyweight championship of college baseball, and that's exactly what you're going to do. You're going there on the home train with a mission, with a head of state, with your mojo, and it's going to be on the biggest stage again at college baseball. It's going to be on display come Saturday evening at 6 o'clock. Come up to Isaiah Campbell's son. This is your moment. You shut down, should be undefeated. You're you're twelve and one, and you're doing for the heavyweight championship of the world. Shut them down. Uh, the Seminoles, the Florida State, a good dose of all mojo to the batting lineup. Bring that mojo with your bat. Bring your mojo with your pitching. Bring your mojo with your base stealing. Bring your mojo with your defense. So go get that championship and bring it back to Bob Stadium. Bring the title back to the greatest fan base in the country. To the greatest stadium in college baseball at Bob. So we'll be seeing you because the bell is ringing. I want to hear the whistle on the home train. Because the bell, the countdown is on. And thank you for taking for my taking call. call. Yeah. 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 Okay. Thanks, Eddie. Okay. Now you fired like up, Tommy. Like, now like, now you ready? It's like talking to yeah. It's like talking to Larry Rath, and he didn't say, "Hey, uh, folks, come and see us." I know. We Tag don't know lines, the call man. is over till. Thank you. Yeah. Taking my call. Yeah. It's got to be about the taglines there. So yeah. Eddie's pumped up. Eddie's uh, ringing the bell. Wants to hear the whistle blow. I'm telling you, you know the the Arkansas social media team does a great job. Oh yeah. Of all these videos, they had the dog pile of the day, Dave, DVH cam, Curtis cam. If if at some point one of these teams, football team or this baseball team, I'm not suggesting he gives the pregame speeches because we run out on the field. But I'm telling you, if Eddie and Clarksville got to address the team, and he would do it in that fashion, and that video was put up on the official Arkansas social media accounts, it'd break the Internet. I don't know if we want to go down that road. Oh, it'd be, uh, don't tell no. me you wouldn't watch it a thousand times. I mean, I'd watch it, but I, well, if the if he's talking to the players, what are the players going to think about that? I mean, what is 
I don't know what well, their I mean, usual pregame to, speeches are or, or anything like that. It needs to be one of those deals like from Rudy, you know, where he's, you know, and they they're, everybody's on a knee listening intently, and then then they just like run through the brick wall kind of deal, you know. And it needs to it, it would make for very entertaining social media content. Okay, that right there, I do agree with. It would make for entertaining social media content, but yeah. what, what? I'm not suggesting this happens during you know, oh, I don't know, the College World Series, but at some point, th- this could be. <laughs> Uh, you know, maybe later this fall, Chad. I, I don't. Know, Chad Moore's ain't got any room to be playing around, so that's the that's the problem. Yeah, ha- have so. him do it uh, in Game Two of the College World Series Final before the ninth inning, before the mm. players run out there. There you go. Yeah. That that'll work. You can do it there too. But, so, but uh, that would, I, th- I think it would break the internet. So. It, it would certainly break the internet uh, here on the morning rush because we would probably be playing that ad nauseum, and people would love it, people would hate it, but people would still listen and still watch the Eddie Eddie's, in Clarksville. Eddie's a fifty fifty. There's no gray with it. We get, and then we'll get in the next ten minutes. Hey, hey, that that makes my ears bleed, or I am so pumped up. Something yep. along those lines. Yep. People either love Eddie's calls and can't wait for the next one. Or they beg us to never take his call again. Mm-hmm. Which, you know, I don't know how I, I feel about all of his calls because a lot of them are the same. But, you know, I don't want to get into censoring people, you know. That's if it. he wants to call and he wants to be fired up, we're going to let him. We're about the First Amendment here on the Morning Rush. <laughs> we are all about freedom of speech of Eddie in Clarksville. So, but, uh, hey, and, and the thing is, listen, he doesn't call every day. And if no. he does, we don't let him on every day. It's it's just on special occasions, and today is a Friday before the College World Series. So it always seems right. But either way, always love Eddie and Clarksville calling in. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast, brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer, with a refreshing strawberry lemonade twist. Natterdays, fun for every occasion. They won't catch him. Alex Collins is going to take it all the way to the house. So I teased it a little bit in the previous segment of the Zach Smith, the former assistant coach up at Ohio State, who has lost his mind, and he started a podcast. It's called Menace to Society, which could not be more fitting for an individual like him. And on his podcast, he had a story dealing with Brett Bielema while Brett Bielema was at Arkansas and K.J. Hill. You also remember K.J. Hill, too, Tommy. Highly recruited player out of the state of Arkansas, four-star wide receiver, originally committed to the University of Arkansas, then decommitted Went to Ohio State, has done really well there. Always seems like one of those players that got away. Really weird situation. And Zach Smith had this story to tell. Now, before I play this, let me just preface this, that this guy's insane. He's not a good person. He's a terrible human being. All right? We'll just lay it out there. But there's How some, do you really feel about it? Well, let's just be honest about it. I mean, the guy, is he's not a good person. He is an insane person. But this story, though, that he tells, and I'm going to play it in its entirety. It's about two minutes long. But to get to all the context of it all is really important. But this story has some confirmation, and I'll explain it on the end. So here's Zach Smith telling the story about Brett Bielema and K.J. Hill. Brett Bielema was a different character, and, and here's here's how you knew he was kind of didn't understand recruiting. Uh, we recruited a kid named K.J. Hill, right? Great player for Ohio State right there. Or still there right now. Probably be one of their best offensive players this year. Has been for the last two years. So we're recruiting him. Chris Ash is recruiting him, right? Because Chris Ash was from Arkansas, on not from there, but was on Brett's staff at Arkansas. Knew KJ Hill, came to Ohio State, starts recruiting him. He really recruited him. Then I I closed the deal with him. So we're recruiting him, and this is how delusional Brett Bielema was. Uh, so we're recruiting him. KJ wants to come on a visit. So they start uh, reaching out to all the people in Arkansas. Arkansas is a backwoods state now. Like they they do some stuff like like you read about about 
Southern recruiting where all of a sudden KJ Hill's stepdad's jobs getting threatened by the boss and, and, you know, his family's getting run out of town. They're, they're, they're coming to his basketball games and just, just destroying the kid. But Brett Bielema did something that I've never heard about in college coaching, right? KJ Hill's coming on an official visit, right? So it's the Monday before his official visit starts on Friday. Chris Ash comes in my office and says, Hey, uh, listen to this. This is bizarre. He has a voicemail from Bet Biel- Brett Bielema, right? Say, hey, Chris, uh, Brett, just want to call and let you know that uh, KJ is going to cancel his official this weekend. Um, I just want to apologize, but he's not going to come. And so a coach at a different university is calling you to tell you that? And I remember Chris looked at me, and I looked at him. We were both puzzled. Like, what? I've never heard of that. I mean, kids cancel visits all the time, but the head coach of the school that's recruiting you called us to tell tell us. Huh? Well, did he call KJ that, I'm guessing? So that or, but but I mean, that's if people in Arkansas want to know how you lost KJ Hill. It's that is why al- along with everything else that went on. He we we talked got KJ on the phone, got his dad on the phone. They were irately pissed at Arkansas like why would you call? You don't speak for my son. You don't speak for and KJ was like you don't speak for me. So he came on his visit and basically he was done with Arkansas. Because he Jeez. wasn't he wasn't trying to cancel his visit. Not only that, but who's the head coach? That'd be like Urban calling Nick Saban and saying, "Hey, uh Zeke Elliott's not going to come on his visit this weekend. Saban would be like, what? What? <laughs> no, it was bizarre, but um, that's just a side story to kind of what was going on at Arkansas and how we how Brett Bielema got ran out of town. That's not just another great example of the disastrous failure of Brett Bielema as a head coach. Now, you're wondering, hey, okay, how can you believe this? Well, K.J. Hill on Twitter quote tweeted this story and said, it's crazy but it is true, mm-hmm. saying that Brett Bielema called Ohio State, called Chris Ash, who was up at Ohio State, and said, K.J. Hill's not taking his visit, which K.J. Hill and his family never said and did not want the head coach of Arkansas doing something like that and calling another school to tell. I mean, this is just a weird story, but unfortunately it's not surprising. I would love to know the time of the day that message occurred. <laughs> saying what it could have been about... 3 a.m.? I would would love to know (laughs) what time of day Brett Bielema sent that to Chris Ash. Now, if it had been anyone other than Chris Ash there, it probably would have never happened. He just happened to, you know, have that that working relationship with Ash Mm -hmm. from from being on the Arkansas staff. They knew what they were up against. I just wonder if this was, uh, if this was, there was some liquid. Courage, that ain't the right way, but I think you know what I mean, that, yeah. that may have prompted a bad decision of this nature. Mm. Drinking and dialing can get you in trouble. I don't know that that's what happened, but that sounds more plausible than anything else I can think of as to why you would do this. And we all know that, you know, Brett didn't mind, you know, kicking one back a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Oh, I know. I know. So, and honestly, Tommy, I hope he was. I hope that he was. That's drunk. the only explanation I can come up with is if he, he, he was drinking and dialing. I, I hope he. I hope he was because if this, <laughs> if he wasn't, if he was sober and he decided to make this call, if, if that was a sober this, decision, that's even worse. That, that's twenty times worse because yeah. it's like either one of them are unacceptable. Don't get me wrong, right? But it's like at least there's some justification for why. But like the fact of the matter is, that we got sold such a, a big pile of garbage from everybody about Brett Bielman and his recruiting. Because remember the big thing is he's just like, we have a gentleman's standard in the Big Ten about when a kid commits, he commits. And remember the whole thing about if a kid takes a visit after he's already committed, he no longer has a scholarship. Remember all that stuff? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like It was just, it was such BS. And this is just another story 
that amplifies the whole reasoning and the whole failure of Brett Bielma at Arkansas. And it just, you know, as Razorback fans, and I know a lot of people were reacting to this on social media yesterday. I know Ruskin and Zach talked about it in the afternoon show as well. And it's just amazing to me how this guy got away with it for so long and was this way for so long. No wonder the Arkansas program is in such shambles. And I have said this before, and I got crap for it last time I said it. It was about a year ago, but I'll say it again, Tommy. And I, I don't know if you'll disagree with me or not. I still believe that Brett Bielema torpedoed the Razorback football program worse than any other coach, any other coach in the history of Razorback football, worse than John L. Smith, worse than Jack Crow, worse than anybody. And I'm not saying that Chad Morris does is completely blame-free of last year's 2-10 and 10 season, but I would say 80% of the blame goes on Brett Bielema and his utter failure, his laziness, his disrespect, his all of it, and the issues that are coming to fruition now, it, it just really infuriates the Razorback fan base in the fact that you're in the position, your program's where it's at now, is because of the incompetence of Brett Bielema. It just goes to further show you why the lack of stability. Why was Chris Ash at Ohio State? Because he left Arkansas. You know, why did Jim Chaney leave so quick? You mm-hmm. know, we, we feel like Sam Pittman left after Chaney, you know, a year later followed him. You know, one of the reasons Brett gave for wanting to leave Wisconsin and come to Arkansas was um, because he didn't have the money to keep staff and he wanted to have a stable staff. He had anything but a stable staff. It, but but he was paying these guys here, right? Mm-hmm. So why were they leaving? Well, I think we're starting to get a little more insight as to why these coaches said, you know, this is nuts. You know, because I, I think ultimately they didn't have true professional respect for, for what the guy was doing and how he was behaving, and uh, both on the field and off the field, so to speak. So it's starting, and it always all the stories start to spill out, and all everything starts to come into focus down the road. Um, Derek right. made this point yesterday, and I agree with him, and it's been said before by others, you're only as good as your next job. Well, where's Bielema now? You know, his next job was being, you know, a, An cof- a coffee boy for, for Belichick, and yeah. now he's got a position coach with the Patriots, but it's not a college coach. It's not recruiting uh, because I think all the stories and, – and listen, we just know what's been made public. That's right. People like Hunter Juracek and Jeff Long and you know, people within the industry, so to speak, they talk. They know what's going on. And uh, there's a reason why Brett's not a head coach any longer. Uh, at the college level, and and may never be again. Um, I think I think where he's at is probably the the rest of his career path there uh, with the with the New England Patriots. Something along those lines, a, a a coordinator role, a position coach. I mean, the guy knows football. I know we like to think he's a buffoon, but mm-hmm. in in the end, he he's just not fit to run an SEC level program. And it makes me wonder how did he pull it off so long at Wisconsin with yeah. such with such success. Yeah. That's the thing is. How in the world did this? How did, how did he keep it together for so long at Wisconsin? Yeah. and when? You know, something must he got have been exposed. Triggered. He got exposed at Arkansas. Well, you know, I have my theories on it. Yeah, but, I do. Uh, t- I mean, I do too. I do too. And and I, I think, think, think he got here old. and he he got he got here. He got rich. And he got yeah. comfortable. He started started drinking too much, and it just yeah. all got out of control. Yeah, I mean, he was he was no longer having to prove himself. He kind of felt like he was in a position where he could just post well, through too. The, the craziest thing, and, and you know, you talk about Sam Pittman leaving, that was critical. Yeah. But I think the critical thing is there was a belief, and I, you know, again, people will talk a little a little more freely now that Jeff Long is no longer AD and Brett Bielema is gone. I mean, yeah. so, so some people up there that 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 I've had conversations with that are 
directly in the know that would have been involved in this that I've talked to. I said, well, because my question has always been, how did Jeff come to the to the to the thinking of giving Brett that contract after that Texas Bowl win? Yeah, because that's that's still the head scratcher, right? Is yeah. how did we end up in this situation where we've had to pay this this guy eleven plus million dollars? And the belief uh, amongst many is, and, and Jeff never came right out and said it, but the, he had this fear that the NFL was going to pick off his coach. That he was, con- he was, he had been convinced that Brett Bielema was a, was a guy that the NFL was going to hire. What a joke. And I think it was, I think it was just a sales job. I think Bielema had just put that in his ear, put that in his head that, hey man, I get these calls all the time from Belichick and the, you know, all these, all these NFL relationships he's got. He was worried they were going to come get him. What? And that's why joke. Jeff Long locked him up. Good grief. They, he was, you know, Jeff was worried about losing his coach to the NFL. Yeah. That's what a lot of people that, or I say not a lot, a handful of people that I've talked to that were kind of around that deal and involved and w- people that should know and were in the know in in, in a position to know. Yeah. That's what that's how that's their conclusion on it. Hey, t- Tommy, I mean, I, I I believe it just by what you're saying. Wait, I mean, I believe because it. it was a contract done out of seemed like out of fear. Yeah. So it makes sense to me because it, nothing else about that contract makes sense, and that's how Arkansas's ended up where they're at. And you're right. It's not just the on the field torpedoing with this story with KJ Hill and the recruiting torpedoing. It's the financial torpedo yes. that Arkansas's had to, and they've gotten through that probably easier because you know you can raise more money, mm-hmm. you can dip into the to the reserves, the coffers. What? But nonetheless, it's it's not been uh, you know it's not been an easy recovery. And Chad, that's why we got to give Chad Morris time. This is what he's dealing with. Yeah, this is the kind of program he's got to, you know. It's the hole he's got to dig out of. I know. And it just it frustrates me for someone that, you know, grew up a Razorback fan. And Tommy, I know you grew up a Razorback fan and a lot of Razorback fans did. Listen, there were some good times. There were some bad times. But it seems like Brett Bielma came in and took over a vehicle that had been wrecked a little bit. Had a fender bender with the John L. Smith year. It, had, it was a nice car. They got a fender bender. And instead of taking it and repairing it, he just hops into the driver's seat, takes a pull, and accelerates as fast as he could right into a brick wall. I mean, that that's how it felt. So it's just right now it felt like he put it in that 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 crusher thing you see on yeah. the movies at the at the junkyard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> they just compact a uh, compactor. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> so it's just it's so disappointing. But uh, it's an interesting story there from Zach well, Smith, though. It, now you kind of understand. Yeah. How does a guy like KJ Hill get out of our state? There it and is. That, now you know. Now there's that so, state. Brett Bielma. Now you know. <laughs> The, the rest, rest of, of the, the story. story. Yeah, Brett Bielma should have spent less time calling other coaches, canceling recruits' visits, and more times <laughs> learning the words, no thank you, I'm full. There you go. There's. I, I'm sorry. This Was is, that yours, or did you still, did someone send that in? I think that was Married with Children that I got that one from, so uh, i got to give credit to Al Bundy on that one either way. Hey, there's not been a greater philosophy in the exactly. 20th century than Al Bundy. Exactly. Let's be honest. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Brought to you by the all-new Natural Light Natterdays, the new beer of the summer. On the phone lines, Eric Allen, who's the voice of the Florida State Seminoles for the baseball broadcast. Eric, appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this morning, man? I'm doing great. How about you guys? Uh, we're doing great. We uh, I know there's a lot of excitement here in the state of Arkansas. I'm sure there's a lot of excitement there in the Florida State fan base as well. But I want to start with Mike Martin 
and the miracle run that he is on in this postseason play. It was incredible. A lot of people, when the announcement of the Field of 64 was announced, people didn't feel like Florida State necessarily deserved to be there, but there they were. And they've just been on a tear ever since. You've been calling these games. I mean, what's been the key? Because they've beaten some really good teams. They've performed really well. I mean, what's been the change in this team once postseason play hit? You know, I almost feel like there's been so much um, outside noise about the, this being the final season for Coach Martin. And it's, uh, you know, attention, this, this final go around, this final tour, so to speak, it, it's been attention that, that Coach Martin's never been real comfortable with. He, he's, he's never been the guy who wants the spotlight to be on him. He, he wants it to be about the baseball, he wants it to be about his team. And so having that having so much of this season be about him and about this being his final year, I think his, his taken away from it. Some has distracted some. And, uh, once we got to the postseason, though, the, the, the ceremony stopped the, um, people giving him gifts stopped, all of that stopped. And it, it, it seemed to almost just become about baseball again. And I think that's been helpful for the team. Um, but I also think this is a team that, that, Going into the season, there were high hopes for. Uh, I think they were highly rated coming into the year, uh, but it's been a team that's had a lot of youth. They've had some injury issues to overcome, um, and it just seemed to all come together, uh, whether it was in that, that last game in the ACC tournament against NC State or against Georgia, or against FAU, really, in the, the first game in Athens. Uh, something just seemed to click, and this team started playing really, really good baseball. Yeah, I remember 2009 when Arkansas visited Tallahassee, and that was my first. Oh, time I remember to, it too. <laughs> really, my first introduction uh, to Coach Martin, and and what a gentleman, what an ambassador, not just for Florida State, but the game of college baseball. And I really left with a with a great admiration and respect for him, even though Arkansas had come away with the victors that weekend, but just because of how gracious he was with his time, his hospitality. And and when this bracket came out, I said, you know, in, in the story of his final year, I was really rooting for the guy. Now Arkansas has got to play him. And, uh, you know, him and Dave have a great relationship. But that's the thing I take away that probably people don't understand. They just see the 40 years and the stories. He's such a great ambassador for the school and the sport and, and such a gentleman. That's the thing. You, you couldn't have a better representative for your university than Coach Martin. Um, you know, he, he's he, he's always been the same guy. He's always been um, this gracious, humble uh, guy who really who, who really knows that he's been fortunate to have the opportunity that he's had to have the relationship he's had with his university. He played there. He was an assistant coach there. He was the head coach there. Um, you, you never, you know, like I said, he, he never wants it to be about him. He, he always wants to be about his team, about the, the, his team, his players, and about the game of college baseball itself. Uh, LSU last weekend, uh, you know, I, and and I've heard things that that may counter this, but but we really felt like the fans were great at LSU. Um, we'd get off the bus and they were people there hugging players and high-fiving players and wishing us luck and you know coach martin was uh, was quick to point out that that's kind of how the game should be that that's how college baseball should be and he was he felt fortunate that that we were in that environment um obviously he was happy that we won and that we advanced out to omaha but um 
you know, it's one of the things that he loves about coming to Omaha because the people out here are just so great, and it's such a great representation of the game of college baseball itself. Such a great place to have uh, the, the big stage for college baseball, and um, you know, it's it, it's been a pleasure to work with the guy. I, I've known him since I was a student back in the uh, late '80s at FSU, and uh, get an opportunity now for the last 13 years to work with him like this is, has been just such a pleasure. We're speaking with Eric Luau the voice of the Florida State Seminoles baseball team right now on the morning rush. Eric, let's talk a little bit about the matchup tomorrow between Florida State and Arkansas. Obviously, both teams in this position and both coaches have familiarity with each other. If Florida State, for Arkansas fans that don't know much about the team, what are some of the players that are really going to be the players to watch in this matchup and especially the pitching matchup uh, with their starter going in game one? Well, it, it looks like we're going to go with Drew Parrish, who's been the, the Friday guy all year. He was the Friday guy last year for Florida State after Tyler Holton went down with an elbow injury opening weekend. Um, he's a kid that, that last summer pitched for Team USA, um, gave up one hit, no runs against the Cuban national team down in Cuba in, in what they call their Cuban Yankee Stadium. Um, so he's a, a kid that has battled and pitched in some big games throughout the course of his career. His numbers this year don't look great uh, on the surface. Uh, you've got a couple of outings in there, uh, one against NC State, one against Louisville, that, that have inflated those numbers. I think you pull those two starts out, and you know he's got an ERA uh, down in the mid-threes. Um but he's a guy that, um, you know, he, he's going to be a fastball, curveball, changeup. He'll rely a lot on the curveball and the changeup. Uh, he's always been a, a high strikeout guy as far as uh, strikeout rate goes. He's fifth career in strikeouts in Florida State history. And he'll really use the, he'll use the curveball and the changeup uh, really to, to set up the fastball more than uh, pitching off the fastball itself. Um, so you know he, he's he's when he's on he's he's a tough guy he, he's a he's a very tough pitcher uh, but he's not an overpowering guy you know he's not a guy that'll get in there at ninety five miles an hour and, and throw it by you um, Drew Mendoza he was a third round draft pick uh, here in the draft uh, last week or I, I don't even are we are we last week or is that two weeks ago now I, I can't keep track anymore uh, I've, I've lost track of days I think I've been home like six days in the last month. Uh, but Mendoza, he was a highly touted kid coming out of high school. Big guy, 6'5", 230 pounds. He had the game winning hit against LSU. And um, he's, he's a guy that, that I think this team really rallies around. He's a leader on the ball club. Um, but you, you like having that big bat in the middle of the lineup. He had 16 home runs on the season. Uh, a, a guy who really has just become, I think, maybe one of the toughest outs uh, in the game right now, our leadoff batter, Mike Salvatore, he's a senior, um, you know, a guy with a on-base percentage around 430. He's hit 340 on the season. Uh, he's a, a guy that gets things started in this lineup. Um, he, he's that guy, that, that scrappy guy that, that just finds ways to get on base. Um, we've had Robbie Martin in the middle of the lineup all year. He'll be the DH. Uh, he's been a big RBI guy. He's a freshman uh, who came in and had a, a, an impact immediately. Uh, we've got a freshman catcher in, in Matt Nelson who is uh, really, as the season has gone, he's gotten better and better, and he's been one of the reasons why this team has been able to get on the run that they've been on. Um, J.C. Flowers is a guy to keep an eye on. He, he hit two home runs in his first two years total, uh, 
of college baseball, and this year he's got 13, and he's become our closer after not pitching his first two seasons. Uh, he was so impressive on the mound, he got drafted in the third round as a pitcher despite having just one year of uh, pitching. And, and as a closer, he only had 25 innings on the season. Um, so he, he's been a key part of the lineup for Florida State, both as a hitter and uh, as that back-end uh, guy in the bullpen. So, uh, you know, that's, that's just kind of a, a quick uh, overview of some of the key guys on this lineup. Um, one of the, the great stories I think they've had during the postseason has been a kid by the name of Tim Becker, and I don't know if you guys if you guys have heard the story yet, but uh, he was a kid who who was getting recruited out of high school by some schools. Tore his ACL, didn't play his senior year. Uh, was going to go to a junior college and play, but the knee still wasn't quite right, so he just transferred to Florida State and was playing club baseball for FSU. Uh, this year, his senior year, he decided, you know what, I'm going to try out for the team, and he tried out. He made the team. He'd been used as a defensive replacement and as a pinch runner throughout the course of the season. They put him in the starting lineup in Athens, and he hit three home runs in the Athens Regional, and those were his first three career home runs. And uh, he's a guy that, that most likely will be out in left field when we play uh, Arkansas tomorrow night. So that, that's that been an interesting story throughout the course of the postseason as well. All right, real quick before we let you get out of here, Eric, obviously Dave Van Horn trying to make a, a redemption story from Arkansas after being just one foul ball away from winning it all last year, trying to make it happen. Yep. Just from somebody who's outside of the state of Arkansas, what do you make of Dave Van Horn and the Arkansas Razorback baseball program and their uh, journey to try to redeem themselves from last year? Well, we've been here a number of times without walking away <laughs> with, yeah. the, with the ultimate prize, so I think, you know, we've got a pretty good perspective on that. I, you know, he, he's a guy that, that I, I've always had respect for him. Um, when they came to, to Tallahassee in 2009, um, I, you know, I thought he was a, a class guy uh, who represented the university well. He, just like I, I talked about with Coach Martin, um, he's certainly got a, a ball club that, that has the talent to do that. Uh, having a guy like Isaiah Campbell at the front end of the rotation, um, a guy you can roll out there who seems to have such a good feeling—not only have the talent, but but really know how to pitch—and uh, then that lineup is something that that you know that's a tough lineup. Uh, we certainly, I don't think, faced that kind of lineup in Athens or in Baton Rouge. So uh, he, he certainly got the squad to do it and, and the players to get that job done. Uh, it, it's tough in Omaha, though. Uh, you know, we, we've. We've had our share of, of unlucky bounces and, and things not go our way. It's tough. I mean, you, you've got to have everything clicking, and you've got to have all the breaks go your way to, to win out here. And uh, it, it, it's just, I don't think, I don't think the average fan who may watch and not be tied to a team can appreciate just how tough it is once you get out of here to be the last of the eight teams standing. Eric Allen, the voice of the Florida State Seminoles baseball team. Really appreciate you hopping on with us this morning, Eric. Good luck for the Florida State uh, Seminoles the rest of the way, and good luck on the call tomorrow. And uh, I'm sure we'll be catching up with you maybe way down the road, but who knows, maybe next year again if these two teams meet. All right, guys, appreciate it. Your number one source of local news and information you need. Like the Bud Light Morning Rush podcast? Check out the Halftime Pod at hitthatline.com.